Hi, it's Ian Brody here. Welcome to the More Clients Podcast. With me today is Jonathan Farrington. Jonathan's a globally recognized keynote speaker, a business coach, mentor, author, consultant, and a thought leader who's guided hundreds of companies and more, um, f- more than 100,000 frontline salespeople and sales leaders towards optimum performance levels. He's a senior partner at Jonathan Farrington Associates and the chief executive officer of Top Sales World, based in London and glamorous Paris. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Jonathan. Hi, and thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be with you. Excellent. So we are going to jump straight into the questions. Jonathan, at the risk of making you sound really old, because there's a lot of jobs and titles there, um, <laughs> you've, had, you've had quite a long career. Originally, you were kind of in sales yourself as a high-performing salesperson in, in areas like IT and telecoms and, and financial services, and that eventually got you into kind of board-level roles. And then latterly, of course, you've been delivering sales training and running uh, your organization, which has got some of the biggest names. Uh, in the sales world in it now and during all that time you've, you've either worked with or trained or been served by all sorts of professionals so consultants and coaches lawyers accountants I think it's fair to say that even even to this day in 2013 you know amongst those kind of professionals and many of whom will be kind of listening in there's still quite a high degree of discomfort and stigma associated with the whole idea of selling um, why do you think that is well, I've got to say, and I, I wonder whether or not this is this is something this is a stigma that we in sales and marketing have created ourselves. Mm. Um, a, a good friend of mine, who I'm, I'm sure you know, Dave Curlin, recently did a, a, ran a survey. Um, he was concerned that the levels of trust within the sales industry were were dipping, and um, he was quite surprised to to learn that that you know just how how few people trust salespeople. And I said, well, look, you know. Don't don't be too gloomy. Why don't you run the survey again and find out how many people trust bankers? <laughs> exactly, and how many and lawyers. People, yeah, yeah, and lawyers, <laughs> and politicians, and journalists. And I think I said I think you I think you'll find that your results will be just the same. I think it's true that, particularly in the UK, I mean, um, hmm. uh, you know, we, we have had this, as I suggested, this stigma about selling, simply because you know we. A lot of people have got this view in their minds when they think salesperson. They think, you know, there's a chap traveling door to door selling, you know, toilet brushes or something. Um, but selling is a, is a, as you know and as you believe, uh, is is a is a profession. And I, I have to tell you, I, I, nothing delights me more than if, you know if I'm at a cocktail party or a party or something, and you know I've got my name badge on and people come up and they say oh yes uh, yeah. um, 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 what field are you in sort of expecting me to say something like you know medicine or whatever and I say I, I'm a salesman what do you do um, and it really sort of quite takes them aback and I think we just have to accept that everybody today sells I mean the baby in the pram that's crying is, is, is wanting to be picked up and is selling to us the dog, the dog tugging at our trouser leg that wants to go out for a pee is selling Everybody, everywhere sells something, even if it's only themselves, every day. And actually, you know, so many of the people that we genuinely admire, people like Richard Branson and Michael Dell and, I mean, even, you know, Obama, are the greatest salespeople on the planet. And and we just have to understand that. Nothing is going to happen until somebody sells something to somebody. So if, so if we, I guess then we've got this dilemma that, most of us don't really feel that comfortable selling 
Um, yet, of course, we have to, because as you've just said, nothing happens until someone sells something. We all have to win new clients. We all have to persuade our existing clients to stay with us if we're going to you know, survive in business, let alone thrive. Um, mm. So what has to happen for people who have that kind of mindset about, about selling in order for them to be successful, I mean, do they have to do they have to change that mindset, or are there ways that they can sell that don't involve that don't feel to them as if they've got those 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 ugly things that that they might associate with selling? Well, it, you know, I, what I find interesting is that if you say to somebody you've got to market yourself, they're much more comfortable with that. Yes, yes. But if you if you mention that awful word selling. Then they, they, you, you send them scurrying for their crucifixes. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's a mindset. That's all, you know. And as I alluded to earlier, we have to, we have to get people to understand that actually they are selling. There's nothing, there's nothing sort of difficult about selling. We are all doing it every day. And, and it really is, yeah, we're not going to be very successful if we're unable to sell and market our services and products. Now, if you look at, you know, look at some of the professions and some of, some of the professional services, you, I mean, you mentioned law. We can think of accountancy. We can even think of doctors. I mean, th- they are changing. They're beginning to realize that, that their products and services won't sell themselves. I mean, <clears throat> it was, excuse me. I mean, Walt didn't, it was Waldo Emerson, I think, that said, though a man live in the midst of his, midst of the woods if he makes a better bobbin than his neighbor people will beat a path to his door well of course you know that's not going to happen in 21st in 21st century commerce it just simply isn't going to happen and i'm actually i mean i'm encouraged um you know to see some of the professional service companies you know waking up and realizing that they have actually got to get on the front foot and become proactive um, because you know, it's quite simply their, their products and their services are not going to sell themselves. I recently did a keynote um, for Oracle, um, and the room was full of um, CEOs from some of the some some household names in the UK, some of the Times top fifty organisations. Um, and on my left and right were two household names, um, and uh, they were telling me that it's only in the last two years that they realised that they actually had to sell their product and they were developing their, sell- their sales teams. And I was really quite astounded. I was taken aback. And I said, so, so how, how, did you, how, how, how have you been so successful? And they said, well, by and large, our products sold themselves, but we realized that we weren't selling enough. And I said, my goodness. I mean, you know, you're talking about massive mega corporations and that, that, you know, that it's only in the last sort of two to five years that they've realized that they need a sales team. Um, so, you know, maybe I should be cheered by that news, I guess. <laughs> maybe more work for you in the future. Yeah. So, so, so essentially, we are all selling, whether we, whether we, we in a way, like it or not, whether we, we think so or not. The only question is, are we going to sell well? Or are we going to sell badly because we're not trained in it? We we're not thinking about it in the right way. We're doing it in a haphazard, apologetic way. Um, or, or back to the first option: or Are we going to do it properly? So, so if you are kind of like a consultant, a coach, a professional, and they've they've made that mindset shift, they've realised I need to actually learn how to sell. What, what would you say would be the first steps for them? You know, what should they be looking at first in order to improve their ability to sell? Well, I think the key word is, and, and, and as you suggest, I mean, 
nobody gets very good at anything without proper training. I mean, you know, I can hack around a golf course, but if I didn't take lessons uh, on an ongoing basis, you know, I, I'd never get down to power, would I? You know, and that that's the reality. Um, and I think that globally, this isn't just a British issue or problem or, or even challenge. I think globally, millions, probably billions of pounds um, is wasted uh, every year on ineffectual or inappropriate training and development simply because the organizations didn't understand what they needed. Um, and so they abdicate the responsibility for those decisions to a training company. And, and clearly, training companies, I think so many training companies are, th- are thinking about themselves far too much. And, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed that I have to make that admission that, that you know, so many organizations out there are, are doing that. But that's the reality. And I think that, you know, taking a diagnostic approach to an organization's um, personnel development requirements is absolutely vital. Uh, it's no good paying uh, training companies to give you skills that you, you neither need nor want or are ever likely to need. And, you know, I do believe that every company and, and indeed every salesperson is different. I mean, we, we, we all sort of glibly say, well, yes, every, every client and customer is different. And the same rules apply. Every organization that has a sales team has different requirements. And, and, and really, you know, what I'm suggesting there is that, you know, not only do we take a diagnostic approach, but we actually tailor to the needs of each company so that the end result is as near as perfect as we can get it. But, you know, look at anything, Ian. Um, you're never going to get, you're only going to go so far without being properly trained and coached and on an ongoing basis. And that's another fallacy, of course. You know, the fallacy is that you can go on a three-day training course somewhere, you know, be, be handed a, a rainforest worth of, of course notes, which you, you know, glumly work through for three days and you can't wait for the end of the third day. And you come out of that and you think you've been trained to sell. I mean, what a load of nonsense that is. I mean, fortunately, you know, most of the forward-thinking training organizations have turned all that thinking on its head. I mean, online, as an example, online um, coaching, little and often, is now the way forward. I mean, it's something we've been doing for almost seven years now. Um, And thank goodness that we've consigned all those awful classroom sessions to the annals of history, hopefully. And, and related to that kind of, you know, what really works, is it classroom training or is it not? One of the things I, I know you've written about and, and talked about quite a lot is the importance of, of sales process. So it's great to have skills, but unless what you're learning fits into an overall framework and, and understanding the different stages a sale, a sale goes through and how the different parts of your organization, or if you're just a solo professional, the different things you would do all fit together is vital. Tell us a bit about what, from a process perspective, what organisations and individuals need to have in place to be successful at selling. Well, if I, I, I'm happy to do that, um, of course, but 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 I would like to make a point. Mm. I mean, you've highlighted process, and I've been talking about skills, but actually, I mean, there are four distinct areas that we need to look at in order to become truly successful and mm-hmm. consistently successful. And I would say that to begin with, we have to coach attitude. 
and 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 you know when you say that to people they say well you know what 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 does that mean attitude you've either got attitude or you haven't no not at all attitude's all about motivation levels and i firmly believe that if we've got the right attitude we're far more likely to be willing to embrace the skills that mm. we need and then once we've got the skills, we then move on and, and, and we have process. And beyond process is knowledge. I'll come, I will come back to process. Mm-hmm. But when we talk about knowledge, you know, when you say that, most people think, ah, oh, yes, product knowledge. And it's not surprising, that, in fact, that 80% of, of, of sales budgets these days are still spent on product knowledge. Um, but, it, but knowledge goes much, much further than that. And, it, it, and, and it's a much wider canvas. We have to think about company knowledge we have to think about sector knowledge we have to think about industry knowledge self-knowledge um and and that's the final part of the equation so attitude plus skills plus process plus knowledge and if we can bring all four of those together then i firmly believe that we can think about attaining the the, the, you know the sales holy, holy grail which effectively is consistent results achieved you know uh, short, medium, and long term. So, going back to process, well, process really gives us control. Uh, you know, when people talk about process, what they're really saying is, you know, this is the way we do things around here, mm-hmm. um, and it goes beyond CRM, customer re- relationship management. It's you know, a set of process tools that guide a sales team through every facet of their daily sales life. And it not only brings control to the salesperson, so they're able to achieve more and become more efficient, because there isn't a salesperson alive today, I don't believe, that will ever tell you they've got more time than they need. They're always, um, you know, short of time. Um, and selling time is so valuable. So it gives them control. And if we can make our sales teams more efficient, then they're going to become more successful. That logic defines that. Um, but it also, it's, uh, it gives sales management control. Um, and, you know, that's a big, big area that I'm focusing on particularly at the moment because um, I think we've discussed this before, Ian, um, it, it, and I've suggested that if you show me a, 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 an underperforming sales team, I'll show you a poor sales manager. Mm-hmm. Um, and something like uh, Charlie is suggesting that 84% of sales managers um, are only, uh, I mean, their, their lifespan um, is about 18 months now. So, I mean, that's that's really alarming. Um, so bringing process into an organization is, is really helping sales management too. And anything that we can do to help them uh, in, in that role, uh, which is, of course, very perilous, um, is, is, is going to be a good thing. And so the idea there is you're kind of mapping out the stages of a sale and what the people involved in that sale need to do at every, st- every stage so that, and it, 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 if you just say it out loud, it sounds a bit silly. But for example, that you don't forget, you don't miss certain steps out. You don't forget to talk to all the key decision makers. You don't forget to address, you know, the economic value of the pro- of the project or whatever it is you're doing with the client. You don't forget to figure out what their emotional hot buttons are as well as the the rational side. But but I guess in the heat of battle. Without, without a process, you you very frequently do miss all that stuff out. You you find yourself being going from meeting to meeting with a client, and being very reactive to what's being asked rather than what needs to happen for a sale to work. Um, and and so how would how would you know for an organisation that's trying to get get a handle on what its sales process should look like, 
what should what should they consider? What are the different steps or stages, and what what should they be thinking about to define a sales process for them? Well, every industry is different, Ian. Really, um, you know, and and what constitutes a sales cycle, or or if you want to flip it, a buying cycle mm. in one particular industry or market sector is going to be. It could well be different in another. The, the, the important thing is to understand the various stages that you, could, you should go through, as you suggest, and to make sure that you tick the boxes as you move through them. I think inexperienced salespeople are, 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 are really um, very prone to attempting to skip stages. Mm. And, and I would describe it like this to you. You know, every day when we, we, we leave the house, we get into our car, there, there, there are certain things that we do before we move off and providing we do those you know we, we, we should be safe so we, we close the door we put our seatbelt on we check the rearview mirror we turn on the engine we you know slip into gear and take the handbrake off check the mirror again and reverse out slowly for example mm. um well yeah you could skip some of those stages you could you know not put your seatbelt on but you know wh- wh- why would you expose yourself to that sort of risk um obviously you're going to have to start the car but maybe you'd forget to look in your mirror um and, and you know eventually you're you're going to have an accident and that's exactly what a sales cycle is all about you go through that sort of first questioning stage to understand the basic needs and then you decide if it's worth having a meeting and you have that first exploratory meeting you come out of that meeting and you ask yourself you know is there an opportunity i can win is it winnable do I want it, for example? Mm. And, then, and, and, and then you move through the gears. You move through the various stages of that particular sale. And, and you know, if you miss any of those out, if you sort of think, oh, okay, well, actually, I think the chap that I'm, I'm, I've just met with is pretty influential because it said, you know, vice president on, on, his, on his business card. Um, so I probably don't need to ask who else is involved in the decision-making unit and who else I need to meet with. I, th- I think he's pretty important. My goodness, you know, think about the exposure you're putting yourself through by, by just taking that one decision. Because, you know, the, 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 the guy could have vice president on his, on his car, but it's a bit like the vice president of America. You know, it looks like you've got a lot of influence, but actually very, very little influence at all. And meanwhile, your competitors are coming through the back door. They're meeting with all the people involved in the DMU, all of the influencers, the economic buyers and, 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 you know, the, 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 the technical buyers and the user buyers. They're meeting with everybody and that case is just going to be so much stronger. So it's absolutely vital. First of all, I would summarize by saying this. It's, first of all, it's, it's very, very important to understand and lay out what a successful sales cycle looks like in your industry and then to make sure that the salespeople go through those stages and and really you know try not to miss any out because you can get away with it of course it's like anything you know but but inevitably you will slip up sooner rather than later yeah every every time you you reverse out of your drive without looking in the mirror most of the time if you if you're not on a busy road most of the time you won't get hit and you get away with it and but eventually you will. <laughs> eventually you will. Oh, eventually, eventually, a mother's going to be walking past with a pram with a baby in it, and you're going to smack right into it. Mm. That's absolutely that's that's the case. So we we what we've talked about so far that's beginning to sound like 
Ooh, that's quite a lot involved there. That's quite a lot of work. There's quite a lot of thinking got to go through. And I think one of the reasons why people who are in the professions who aren't who aren't professional salespeople, who, but who do need to sell, perhaps don't do it as well as they could, is is the um, you know their main job isn't selling. Their main job is to be a consultant and to advise clients, or their main job is you know to, to dispense their legal advice or to to do the accounts of a client. So for people like that, where selling isn't their full full time role. How can they make sure that they aren't missing anything, that they do keep their skills in play when they're not having a you know five sales meetings a day? Um, how, how can they make sure that the, the, in that situation they're still as good as they can be at selling? Well, I, th- I think you know the, the, the messages have to come from the top. I mean, this is a leadership issue to, to ensure that everybody in the organisation accepts that if you've got 500 employees, then you've got 500 salespeople. Everybody in an organization, excuse me, <coughs> everybody in an organization is selling something to somebody at some point during a day, even if it's internally. And, and, you know, the, the really smart CEOs of this world understand that. And what they're doing is they're giving all of their staff commercial awareness training, not necessarily sales training, because if they're not going face to face with clients, um, you know, it, it may be decided that they don't need sales skills, but they need commercial awareness. And I'll tell you a little story, actually, that highlights highlights this. Um, I was CEO of, um, um, of an, an IT organization, a sizable IT organization way back in the 80s. And, and, and I was mindful of this fact that the people in the uh, – because because so many of my heads of departments were constantly bickering with each other. Mm-hmm. And, and the reality was – that, that they just didn't understand the challenges that each of them had. So I said, okay, look, this is what we're going to do. One day a month, you're going to actually put your people, let your people go and discover what it's like to work in a different department. So, for example, you know, once a year, each salesperson would spend a day in the accounts department understanding what it was like and the challenges they were facing. And then what we would do, we'd have people from accounts getting up at 6 o'clock, meeting up with a salesperson and spending a day on the road so that they understood their challenges. Mm. And it was really quite amazing. After a, after six months, the transformation was quite extraordinary. And, you know, they began communicating more easily. They were, you know, they understood each, each other's challenges. They, there was far more... You know, sympathy flying around, and it became a team event. You know, it it it, it, it just I, you could just see the light coming on mm. um, in so many in so many people's eyes. Um, so yeah, my message there really, quite simply, is to ensure that everybody in the company understands that they have a commercial responsibility. Um, you know, n- nobody can abdicate that responsibility. Um, it, gaining revenue might be seen as a sales team occupation, but actually. You know, retaining customers, and, and in, in most organizations, 80% of annual revenue comes from existing customers. Everybody has a role to play in customer retention. Um, and, you know, that's a base understanding for any successful organization. And so that means, yeah, so everyone needs to understand what that role is and how they can influence, um, you know, the top line, essentially. Yeah. Uh, and... It, it, it also means that people, everyone needs to dedicate some time to that. You will see one of the, the very bad habits of professional organizations is they give staff, frontline staff who are delivering work, um, even at very senior levels, they often have very, very high 
um, utilization targets. You know, you you must be billing even even some partners in in, in professional firms have targets like eighty percent of the time they must be billing to clients, which of course leaves them for pretty much no time to be doing selling or building relationships, and eventually that. That hits organisations, so that the, the the flip side of it is you must give people time for that. And if you run your own business, you must give yourself time for that. I do see um, small organisations, one-man firms, where their economic model, the, the fees they're charging, are almost dependent on them working four days a week and being billing four days a week. Um, and then they're almost resting or doing the accounts or, or all the other stuff that goes on the one day week, and almost no time is dedicated to, to actually selling and marketing, um, and that's just not sustainable. You you do need to 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 carve that time out and keep it as as, as sacred. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Ian, and and I think that um, you know in this sort of frenetic surge for for top line revenue, um, too few companies take a step back and and say, look, what are we doing? Why are we doing it? How are we doing it? How can we do it better? And, and I do believe that it's a, it's, it's a, an essential characteristic of all the top leaders that I know. They do have this, how can we do it better mentality? Mm. Um, and just improving, you know, um, just improving, say, 10 or 20 things by 1% can have an extraordinary impact on bottom line. Pal of mine, who's a golf fanatic, always says, um, and he's a, he's a, a, a top CEO. He always says, we drive for revenue, but we putt for profit. Um, and I just think that's so true. Very good, very good. Hey, Jonathan, thank you so much for all that. Um, right now, I believe, over at Top Sales World, which which is one of the sites you run, you've got a thing um, going on called World Awareness Week. Um, can you tell us a bit about that and, and how it might benefit listeners and what they should do to take advantage of it? Well, um as you know, Ian, I mean, we ornated uh, Top Sales World five years ago, and, and you know, our, our aim is really quite simple. We just want to continually raise the bar in terms of sales professionalism globally, um, and that's why we provide all of these free resources, which, which in fact, you know, we freshen up every single day. And it's interesting when we look at the, you know, we look at sort of not only the demographics, but the psychographics, um, and... It, uh, I'm actually pleased that so many CEOs and senior management personnel are visiting Top Sales World, mm. not just frontline sales and marketing professionals, but because there's, there's something there for everybody. We did start off with, with a number of sites. For example, we had Top Sales Management, we had Top Sales Articles and Top Sales Awards. But then we took the decision at the end of last year to bring them all together under one roof. So, as, as, as you know, Ian, I mean, you're a... a, a an extremely valuable contributor to the to the venture, um, but bringing it all under this sort of one the hypermarket I like to call it. It's a it's a sales and marketing hypermarket. There's something there for everybody, and um, really has worked. And and um, you know we we really sort of um, really attracted huge numbers of incremental visitors since we we took that. Um, decision so um yeah well we're currently running world awareness week which is exactly what it says on the can and that's what it's designed to do we just want to continually make more and more and more people aware of what our objectives are what our plans and our ambitions are and, and what's available over there because there is so much i mean there's, there's daily articles and tips 
there are white papers and videos and interviews and of course our monthly magazine which is incredibly popular um so it it is precisely that and we just welcome everybody we, we we are very good once people come and visit us. We're very good at sort of hanging on to them. I think you know, so so we must be doing something right. And and when you and over at the site, it is, the, it is a who's who of who is the best at training people, educating people, um, stirring up things. You know, um, saying something controversial but getting people thinking uh, yeah. across the entire sales and marketing field, across every profession. There is so, there is something there that will get you thinking, that will teach you something new, that will improve the way the way that you sell and the way you market yourself. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, uh, again, as you know, Ian, I mean, we we we've got fifty contributors. We restrict it to fifty, and we call it our you know our team. Um, and we review the team every year, and we make sure that we've got a good balance between all sales and marketing disciplines, so that you know that there, there is somebody talking about every aspect of sales and marketing, you know, on an ongoing basis. And and it, it really is like a who's who. Mm. Um, which which is fantastic, and and they're such a you know they you are such a great team to be working with, um, and and they all sort of give very very generously of their time. And so, how do people get 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 hold of that? Do you just go to www.topsalesworld.com? It's as easy as that. Yeah, magic, fantastic. <laughs> so my advice is do do that. Head over to topsalesworld.com. Take advantage of all the resources, and of course, if you ever want, get in touch with Jonathan because he is such a lot of fun as well. You uh, you present the Top Sales World, the the Top Sales Awards every year um, on kind of webinar, and I tune into that, and it is very funny. <laughs> it's the funniest award show I've ever I've ever listened to. Well, I must admit, I must admit, Gerhard and I do play off each other very very well, um, and we've got a few, we've got a few surprises this year, by the way. So, oh, so look, look forward to December. Excellent. So we'll see you there. And uh, hopefully see all the listeners heading across to topsalesworld.com and taking advantage of the resources there. Jonathan, thank you very much. It's been a huge pleasure, Ian, and thank you very much. And uh, speak to you again soon. See you later, everyone. Bye-bye.